The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky connections and kinky education. We're kinky done differently. What women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun discussion about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy, as well as an intimate discussion about how to connect with our own authentic self, with questions asked by a guy. And now, here is your host, John, or as we call him around here, hi there, catsuit. This is Key Barrett. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want as we examine the connections people have with each other and to their own genuine selves. And today we visit with an accomplished and award-winning author who brings together the world of female-led relationships, chastity, and kindness from the perspective of a male. Key Barrett is the pseudonym of a published author. What's not a pseudonym is the Masters of Science in Anthropology. Key has studied sexual subcultures across Europe and North America. He has legally investigated a diverse set of subcultures spanning from female sexual dynamism and aggression in medieval European texts to the bondage and submission clubs of New York to the transgender burlesque cultures of the Deep South before turning his attention to female-led relationships and specifically what makes the good ones so strong. He writes both nonfiction and fiction with a female leadership bent. All works are judgment-free and always between consenting adults. His Surrender, Submit, Serve Her has been nominated for the BDSM Writers Con 2017 Golden Flogger Award for Best BDSM Book of the Year in the nonfiction category. Active on Twitter and wonderful to talk to, it's time to open up with Key Barrett. It's five questions about memorable firsts. We call it the first five. First time you ever decided, I'm going to write a book and have it published. Mm, 1997. So I'm perhaps aging myself a bit here. Um, uh, I'm definitely Gen X. I uh, decided that I was going to write a book of all things, um, an imitation of Tom Jones done in that exact style where they give you the summation of the chapter as it starts. And it's, and, you know, it's the patrician third person voice and so-and-so finds himself in a bit of trouble. And, and uh, it was very fun. Uh, it was a good experiment. It got quite randy quite fast, <laughs> which was my cue at that point that I might actually like writing erotica more than I thought I did. Yeah, because it got, um, you know, Tom Jones is already pretty spicy to begin with, but this uh, went a little further. <laughs> It's funny when you said that, I just immediately want to go, it's not unusual <laughs> to be loved by anyone. Da, 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 da. I haven't done no, karaoke it, in ever, so it just makes me want to do that. Oh, 
I, I, I love karaoke, but I couldn't do Tom Jones. I've seen him live, though. It was great. That is awesome. Sir Tom, mm-hmm. first time you were ever involved in a scene that was as hot as one of your books? Mm. 2000. Nope, nope. I'll take that back. Sorry. Uh, college. Um, can I tell this story? You, that's, what the, that's what we're here for. Okay, so I was a bit of a doof in college. Um, you know, not unattractive, very kind, fun, but uh, oftentimes completely oblivious to the fact that people might be attracted to me. Um, this is not that uncommon. You know, people uh, like me find out that they have a girlfriend, uh, you know, when she tells them that they're now boyfriend and girlfriend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I got invited, I must have been 19 or 20. I got invited to a party at a, uh, a cooperative house and it was a big cooperative house and I hadn't been to that one before. And my uh, RA invited me and he was like, just, you know, gonna hang out with some friends. It'll be cool. It's a big party. I mean, we get to the front door. It's got um, a, a big bowl of condoms in the front of it. And I'm like, oh, okay, but you know what? This is a liberal arts college. It's famous for being a liberal arts college. Um, this is not surprising. And I go in with him and he walks over to a pair of ladies who he knows and he's talking to them and introduces me. And they say, hmm, you know, they, I can see them size me up and down and they say, oh, you're cute. We're looking for a threesome. And I'm like, ha 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 ha, sure. Um, and, and they're like, mm, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, sure. I'm your man. Right. Thinking they're totally just screwing with me. And they go, okay. And um, that's, I think I leave it at that. Then they come back later to, and I think they're really teasing with me about this. Mm-hmm. And I said to them, now this is the, um, this is the nineties. Again, I'm dating myself here. Uh, back then the Green Bay Packers weren't on TV that much. True. Um, so in certainly not in the area I was, and they were going to be on TV the next day and I wanted to see them. So I said, uh, you know, they were like, come on, let's do this. And again, I am 100% sure they are joking. Mm-hmm. And I say, all right, I'll do it. But I get to watch the Packers game because I'm not going to miss it. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to be like this fake bravado because again, I, I'm just messing back with them because I think they're messing with me. I get to watch the Packers game and you know what? I want, I want, I want pancakes. <laughs> and they go, we have waffles. <laughs> <laughs> this is called like- negotiation. I mock pretend to be really debating this issue. And I'm like, fine, fine. As long as I get to watch the Packers game, uh, waffles will be fine. And they say, terrific. And proceed to take me arm in arm. Uh, And again, I am thinking, oh, this is really funny. We're going to go out the door and that's the end of it. We'll turn back around. Ha, 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 ha. We walk out the door. One of them opens her big like carpet bag purse and grabs a handful of condoms and dumps them in the purse, shuts it back up, walks, walks me down, takes a left down the street and we're heading to their house. And I can tell you, I went from Mr. Cool to uh, petrified and shaking in terror <laughs> in a matter of two seconds. Um, but we went back. Uh, we had ourselves a very fun evening. I did my best to, Stay focused. One must really stay focused when there's more than one partner. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) 
It's sort of the sexual equivalent of rubbing your belly and patting your head at the same time. Um, we had a great evening and I got to watch the Packers with waffles. <laughs> First time someone put a lock on your private area and your reaction to it. Um, well, first time I was self-locking, that was, geez, it's hard to, a little over two years now, I guess. Hmm. Um, my reaction to it was, this is really hard to do when you're excited. <laughs> because you tell yourself, okay, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to wear this. It's hard not to get excited at the novel and the new. And so you kind of have to do it in stages the first time. And then once I got it on, I was walking around feeling it and it was interesting and fun and kind of heavy up until the point that I gave my wife the key and she looked at me because we'd come to an agreement about this. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit. But when she took the key and she gave a look at me and, and kind of, you know, this little sly smile, there was something there immediately that felt uh, unique and novel. It was a, it was like possession, if that makes sense. Like, oh, that's hers now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and that was, then it felt very different. And then in a, uh, as the time went on, you know, I would be at work and I would, you know, you, you'd shuffle or move around and you'd think about it. And then, you'd be going back to that thought that that's, you know, Hey, that belongs to her, you know, and that kind of mm -hmm. thing was very fun and very interesting. First time you ever realized you were in a female led relationship and uh, your emotions there. Well, this is a fun one. I'm not never have been. I got interested in FLRs because I met a couple. Yeah. I met a couple in uh, Manhattan, um, Back when I was working there, um, they were somewhat famous within our, our, our business, um, power couple. And like all of us in our business, we always, you know, found Wednesdays and Thursdays to go out and drink until insanely stupid hours in the morning. <laughs> um, and they were always around and, and people get a little more loose lipped the longer you get into the evening. And they've always been a very interesting couple with a very interesting dynamic. And I um, got around to talking to them about it one night and they described their relationship as a wife-led marriage, mm. which I didn't know really what that meant. I had some ideas, but I didn't know. And they wanted me to guess what that was. And I came up with all the wrong answers, all the answers you think when you like the porn answers, right? You know. Mm -hmm. Um, she spanks him, you know, uh, every day is, you know, come here and kiss my boot. And then, you know, <laughs> you, you're going to walk around the house naked working in just a, you know, just a little French made duster and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And that he would be this little henpecked, whatever, you know, basically all of the, the, the sort of based in misogyny ideas when it's, when it's female leadership through the male gaze. Right. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I got it so completely wrong uh, as an author just intrigued the heck out of me. So I had to go start researching it. And, and that's where the, the book came out of. I got to interview a lot of nice couples that really did um, open up to me. And after I'd had enough of, of these, uh, uh, of core data to kind of come up 
with suppositions, I saw that there were a lot of things that female-led relationships do really well that every relationship can do. So mm-hmm. we certainly do that in our relationship, but we're an egalitarian relationship. My wife does not want to be the leader of the household, and I don't necessarily think I want to be mm-hmm. um, uh, her her aide de camp, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but there are a lot of things that we took from it that we do use. And I, I tell people all the time, hey, you know, if you're going to do something for her, do it her way. Don't just do it, you know, and be like, hey, I, I did the laundry or I did the taxes, if that's something that she always does. She's got a way. You got to do it her way. Otherwise, you didn't do her any favors, right? Little things like that. So, As you are a wonderful human. <laughs> Thank you. First time, if any time you ever received an unsolicited picture of someone's privates. <sighs> How old is the internet? <laughs> <laughs> because um, this is the, what I call the famous fifth question, which I, I will ask the women. And of course they go, oh my gosh, I can't remember the first one. There's been so many, but I was really interested to ask it to a guy. Yeah. Well, in, in modern terms, in, key is not exactly a name you hear and think masculine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're just people that I just imagine spam dip, dick pics to everybody, you know, like it's the old joke. Hey, that's fantastic. But why are you telling me? I'm telling you, I'm telling everybody. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but back in college, I was on IRC boards, I was on things, things like that. And as soon as there was the capacity to send images on those things, <laughs> in comes the dick pic. I, I am very fond of my dick, but I don't understand why anybody would ever want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> so I just don't get that. I don't. Um, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, of course, it's not a sexual thing. It's a power play thing. Mm-hmm. Like, like all those kinds of things. It's a way of, of asserting some control you don't have over a stranger that you will never actually have any control over. But um, yeah, it is one of those things that, especially in the beginning, when, it, uh, when I was first out there on, on, on Twitter, it, it was exhausting for me. And if it's exhausting for me where half of the guys figure out I'm a guy and don't send it, mm-hmm. how it must be for a woman out there all the time. <laughs> Are you liking what you're hearing? Check out the Total Archives wherever you find your podcasts. And please remember to subscribe so you don't miss a minute. And while you're there, help John out by giving him a rating and review. We really appreciate your feedback. Hi, I'm Dr. Allison Ass, trauma-informed sex and intimacy coach and educator and the founder of TurnOn.Love. And I teach a wide range of workshops and courses on topics including flirting and seduction, deepening emotional intimacy, expanding pleasure, exploring fantasies, repairing ruptures in relationships, navigating non-monogamy, and more. And I work with individuals and couples in a coaching dynamic to support them in getting out of their heads and into their bodies and navigating challenges like erectile dysfunction and anorgasmia to help men figure out how to express their desires in ways that feel authentic and not let opportunities pass by any longer, to help women explore what they want and really advocate for it in their relationships. 
and to support couples in getting the spark back and in exploring non-monogamy if you want to open up your relationship. To explore all this and more, you can check out my website at www.turnon.love. And don't forget to listen to my episode of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. It's in the archives wherever you listen to your podcast. Hello, I'm Jesse Sage from Peep Show Media. Peep Show Media is a multimedia magazine bringing news and stories from the sex industry. Be sure to check out our website at peepshowmedia.com for essays, porn reviews, events, interviews, news stories, and more. Also, make sure to listen to our podcast, The Peep Show Podcast, anywhere you get podcasts. And for a bit more of a personal glance into my life, make sure to check out my January 15th interview on what women and other wonderful humans want. It is simply the most powerful episode we've ever done. When when I had the death of the ego and I really, well, I walked away from what a, being a kink educator or a dominatrix means to my ego or what being a singer um, or someone who booked educators or cover bands for so many years, what does that say about me? That's just things I've done. It's not who I am. You know, and the important thing is that we help others and that we be of service. So if someone's listening to this show and they're feeling maybe badly about a job they have or a direction they've taken, there's no mistakes. The artist formerly known as Hudsey Hahn, Hudsey Brook, June 8th, on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Welcome back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. Here again is our host, John, or as we know him, hi there, catsuit. Key Barrett is an author, and Mm -hmm. in his biography, it says Key Barrett is the pseudonym of a published author, but what is not a pseudonym is the Masters of Science in Anthropology. Mm -hmm. Did you ever imagine when you were studying anthropology that it would turn out to be such an interesting part of the history of humanity? (laughs) I kind of, after the first year, had an inkling, you know, uh, sexual politics is as old as sex. So, you know, you don't have to go back that far to see uh, where things get kinky. I mean, you know, I don't want to step into the Old Testament, but there's some really <laughs> kinky things in there. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's the, it, I'm trying to remember, I want to give credit where it's due on Twitter. Maybe you follow her. She, um, she posts interesting tidbits about sexual history. And one of them was in the Middle Ages, uh, pictures of Aristotle, almost uh, uh, statues of Aristotle, almost always had him on his hands and knees with a woman sitting on his back, whipping him as a way of showing, I, I believe that that the error of his ways or something, how mm-hmm. Aristotle was wrong, or or maybe it's a joke about you know, uh, you know, we're just chained to a cave, perceive you know, perceiving shadows on the wall, you know, taking taking chained to a cave. It's like okay, you're you're already, you're halfway there to BDSM, you know, <laughs> um, so. There was definitely always that kind of um, interesting aspect about it. And one thing that one thing about professors in general, but certainly history and anthropology professors is they love to hear their own voice and they love to talk about anything that their their students find interesting. So if they get to something like that in the in the texts, they're going to they're going to go into it. They're going to delve into it. So if if the word kinky or if kinky dumb 
or kinkiness or whatever I'm trying to say has been around since the Old Testament. Why in the hell are we so scared of it? Sexuality, uh, owning your sexuality, whatever form that may be, if you're sub, if you're dom, if you're poly, if you're ace, right? When you own your sexuality, that's a, that's a power. That's a power that you have internally that someone else can no longer exact upon you without your permission or lord over you. Um, and that's threatening. That's always threatening, to, at least to, to power structures. The idea of any kind of situation in which you have your own um, agency, right, in a way that they can't regulate, well, then they will find a way to regulate it. Um, if you look at how uh, prisons used to be in the United States, you know, you look at something like Newgate, which was literally a coal mine in the ground, you weren't allowed to talk except for one hour a day. And the rest of the time, you're supposed to be in quiet contemplation um, and, and then labor. Um, and, and the idea was rehabilitation, but the idea was they take away every bit of your own agency. And then hopefully you appreciate it when you get back out. But that's, that was prison as a form of, of not just physical control, but total control. And then now, if you look at our prisons now, ever since 1974, when the federal government mm -hmm. uh, admitted that they had given up on the for, uh, given up on rehabilitation as as a purpose in prison, um, now everything about it is about taking away uh, prisoners' agency. And that plus, if you add female sexuality f into that, where, where a woman, there's nothing more frightening than a woman who knows what she wants, at least mm -hmm. to the powers that would be right. Um, men have tried to destroy that uh, since the dawn of time. And uh, if they can't destroy it through thought or law, they destroy it through violence. Because that's, you know, sadly, that's one thing men are exceptionally good at, hmm. brute force and violence. Not all of us, obviously, but we can't not look at history. <laughs> you know, hey, you know, that one time this guy wasn't a complete dick. Oh, great. That does not <laughs> invalidate mm -hmm. the 999,000 other times in which we were. <laughs> mm -hmm. How does someone who is a cis male mm -hmm. get so intrigued by femdom that you write femdom stories from a male perspective? when many times it would seem that that should be written from a female perspective? Uh, that is a very fair question. Um, I write from a male perspective because I'm a man and I don't want to uh, try and do something that I might not get right, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. That's, what, that's actually the reason why I started you know, chastity just to try it for two week exercises. I was starting to write about it as an element in the, the stories. And I wanted to make sure that I was being authentic. So, um, you know, writing is always a work in progress. I would like to be more authentic than I prob probably am with my female characters. Um, and I will continue to try and do that. But I, when it comes to writing, uh, when you have a voice that's speaking to you, that's, that's communicating and talking in a way that sounds like their voice and not your voice put onto them, you write, you don't ask questions. You just write what they have to say. Um, and 
that's made my writing more authentic. And I've, I've actually had, you know, lots of comments from people that say, I, I, I related to this person, I felt I understood. Um, I think you follow um, Bob slash Sally from He Leads, uh, She Leads, He Reads. Um, Sally's great. Um, she said that my description of subspace in the book was best that she had read. And that I'm not, I'm not trying to pump myself up. That is because the character himself who was experiencing it for the first time was talking. And it's almost easier when someone's experiencing something for a first time because you can just sort of roll with the novel experiences, right? You don't have to try and filter this through. Well, this wasn't like the last time or whatever, you know, it's more like, what is this incredibly warm, dark pool I'm falling into and why, you know, and what's going on in my head? Um, and the, the, the part that I apply is that in all of my stories, there's the element of um, female leadership as, as a real and valid thing, not, you know, there's, we've had this discussion many, many times and we'll have to have it many, many times into the future, but there's, there's femdom and there's female leadership, right? They overlap a lot, you know, but not every FLR has femdom. There's a lot of vanilla. There's a lot of ones where she's submissive in bed, but if you're, you know, living a, a, a female dominant life in bed, sometimes it's easier to have them both. In, in your life. And uh, it makes it easier to write as well, because you, you, you get a guy whose love language is acts of service, right? Which is very, very common in, in working FLRs, right? That's, that's just how they, then it becomes very easy for him to under, not necessarily understand, but accept that he wants to have these things, that he wants to give up this, you know, the sexual agency to her, the uh, chastity or give up the idea of the male gaze as, as how he looks at her, how he approaches at her, being willing to kind of being broken down and rebuilt in a model that suits her needs first. You know, it's, it's about um, we over me, right? Mm -hmm. Got a little rambly there, but I, I do. <laughs> I, I, don't have the, I don't have the luxury of editing like I do with writing. <laughs> Is the term vulnerability something that men have to get used to as we move on in life right now because vulnerability seems to be something that when shown can create a much stronger relationship yet so many men are told eh -eh, that's not how you do it yeah that is not something that is just you know now, it is something really that has been there. Um, I'm going to go back to the Victorians for this because I'm not sure that when you were talking about somebody who worked as an indentured servant on a farm in England and was married, that vulnerability ever really entered into it. I think they were both pretty much vulnerable all the time to everything. And so you had this idea of, you know, we are stronger together as a concept. I think the Victorians are the ones who start creating this mythos of the ideal man as seen um, invul nigh invulnerable, right? The, mm -hmm. Look at how they redo the stories of, of you know, the, 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 the Viking histories with, with uh, Siegfried and, you know, um, these are, you know, these are invulnerable warriors who only fail because they fall for a woman who's smart and strong herself. And, 
really they should just be killing and, and getting gold, <laughs> you know? Um, and the problem men have uh, in general, apart from conditioning is, is that no one's really telling boys not to do this, right? And the, the, the main female authority figure in a boy's life is his mom, mm -hmm. right? And this is when we're developing our kind of nascent ideas of, of intimacy and vulnerability and all these kinds of things. And unfortunately, what happens a lot is uh, your relationship with your mom at that time is oftentimes transactional. You know, keep your room clean, you can have a sleepover, right? Mm -hmm. do, do all this. Uh, you can, you know, mow the lawn, you can get your allowance, all that kind of stuff. And partially this is because that's just the nature of, of young teenagers and partially because dads oftentimes delegate so much of this to the mom, mm -hmm. right? And dad's the fun one who says, I'm going to Home Depot, come with me and we'll, we'll, we'll pick up a cheeseburger on the way, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. Um, but if, if all your intimacy is formed around the idea of, of a transactional interaction, then you don't learn that intimacy and vulnerability combined are extremely powerful because you can be vulnerable with your mom or your dad if like the cat dies or something or dog dies and you cry. That's great. But that's not an intimacy, not in the way an adult person has with another adult person. And so, so many men have to be unwired, but at the same time, they never get the motivation to do it because the transactional relationship works just enough for them or actually works in their advantage because the woman agrees, you know, keep the peace, right? This is, this is as good as it's going to get, you know? I mean, how often do women decide subconsciously or consciously that, that they're going to settle for this? Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that's really nice about female-led relationships is that that they don't decide they're gonna settle for this. And the husband doesn't perceive any single uh, comment as an attack, right? Um, uh, they don't gaslight, they don't, you know, what about? They're more interested in the idea of uh, her happiness brings his happiness. Mm -hmm. it, 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 you know, it's not slavery. These men, are, so many of the guys that I got to interview, you would say if you met them on the street were straight up alpha. Mm -hmm. And in most every way they are, and they're very happy being the alpha support to their dominant wife or partner. Mm -hmm. um, and it just, you know, they're freed from having this issue of if I am vulnerable, will I get laughed at? Will I get crushed? You know, and of course, everybody who's vulnerable, some point gets hurt. Mm -hmm. Right. But it's just like anything else. If you get hurt one time out of 10, and the nine time out of 10, you don't, and it's great. Well, you keep going at it, right? And you just come to accept. And then the hurt doesn't hurt as much every time because you understand it in the context of everything else around it, as opposed to, you know, I asked this girl out one time, she said, no, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> you know, hurt and rejection and suffering. These are all things we all experience. And it's just, they're also part and parcel in making you a whole person. You talk about transactional mm -hmm. and I'm going to give you an interesting example from my own life. And every now and then I'll use the podcast to try to understand something I don't understand. 
I was involved in a 20-year marriage where all I wanted to do was to love someone unconditionally and be the best person that I could be towards that. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it turned into there was resentment for my wanting to do that. And it eventually turned nearly abusive with just saying snide comments Mm -hmm. and things like you're, you always want to be close to me. You're just an attention whore. Excuse me. Um, You, uh, you, you're worse than the kids. No. Okay. Um, in, you know, uh, I wish there were just, uh, I wish I just had the dogs around here because they're a lot easier to deal with, with you than you. And the person is sitting there in this case, me going, all I want to do is love and be a part of your life. Right. So I go to the point where I'm going, maybe a female led relationship is something that would be really good for me but I'm almost petrified getting in any relationship because I'm scared that it's going to go back to what I had. Right. Right. So I guess the it's a roundabout way of asking the question, can a female led relationship help heal a man who is a hopeless romantic by allowing him to be so without regrets? Um, First of all, thanks for sharing that. That was, you know, I know that that kind of thing is painful and have been through some similar things in my life, but I really appreciate you opening up. Um, Yes, 100% it can. If you look, um, especially amongst now, Twitter is not a microcosm of anything real, but, you know, (laughs) (laughs) we do have people that we know in FLRs on Twitter who we know are real because they, they are not ashamed to talk about it, to share it, to show it. Um, And a lot of them are in relationships that are second relationships, second long-term relationships, or have discovered this as they've gotten older. Uh, You know, with age comes wisdom. Not always. I know a lot of old idiots. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? Get off my lawn. Yeah. But, you know, if you're willing to learn from your experiences, then you will get that wisdom. And I think with that wisdom comes the understanding that you only get one life and being worried about what other people who you don't even necessarily know think about you is a waste of that life. Um, So there are a lot more women and men who are ready and understand what an FLR is at 40 than there are at 25. And, you know, partially who's ready for a full long-term relationship at 25 and knows everything, you know, but there are, you know, one of the beauties of a, of a FLR is that she doesn't get gaslit anymore. You don't feel the need to passively or passively aggressively hint at what you're trying to do anymore. Directness is key. Communication is key. Um, you you hear of of these kinds of ideas where you know in a regular relationship, and this is one of those things that I talk about. Regular relationships can do better. You know, your wife might say something like, uh, it might rain today. Do you think you should take your umbrella? Which is um, code for it's going to rain, take your umbrella. But the fact that she has to filter 
to say mm -hmm. that is an indication that she's afraid that if she says that you're going to, you're going to be like, no, you know, and storm out there in a thunderstorm, mm -hmm. stupid pride um, and getting wet. Uh, but that's just an example of how you're afforded a directness that means you don't have to, it sounds, it sounds to me that like everything you were trying to do was pushing her away and she was not communicating what she wanted at all, just until it got to the point where she was agitated and then she'd snap and communicate and use hurtful words. Um, and that kind of, you know, that's not a sustainable relationship for anybody. And it does lead to, to uh, resentment and anger and then any little thing walking on eggshells, we've mm -hmm. been there, right? Any little thing sets, sets them off, sets you off, you sulk, she gets mad, right? You don't have that when you have communication. It happens, right? Some people mm -hmm. just have a really fucking bad day and need to be left alone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we get that. Even when that they really want is that foot massage and someone to just sit there and listen as they complain bitterly and, and with no follow-up questions, just a stream of consciousness. Oh, I hate the fucking guy at my office. It's just, but at first they need to be left alone, right? Mm -hmm. Them being able to come home and say, I had a really bad day. Give me 30. All right. I know exactly what to do. Okay. Um, so yes, hundred percent. It's, it's, it can be, if you find the right person an FLR is night and day from everything else, even in my relationship, being able to apply some of these things have taken away little burdens. I didn't know. And certainly little burdens. She didn't know she had, mm -hmm. you know, being able to tell me when I'm going to do a job, how to do it. She would never have done that before you know, the research and before talking about this, because, you know, partially it's how I would have responded because I wouldn't have think, thought about it. And I'm trained mm -hmm. not to think about it. And partially because that's how women are trained their whole life, you know, stand up, but not too much, you know, let, you know, you're going to come up with some good ideas. Half of them are going to get stolen and processed back to you, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and if you're the last thing you want to be called that at work or thought of is a bitch, right? So, being able for her to say, all right, when you do that, can you fold them this way? Right. And feeling like she can tell that to me and me not being like, fold them however I want or whatever, or I roll or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm just being like, oh, okay, cool. So that's how you do it. Now, if I take over this job for her and it becomes the job I do, she doesn't have to check it and redo it or even think about it because she knows mm -hmm. she's getting it done her way. And she knows that she's not going to get snap back from me when she tells me, you know, do this or do that. Um, and that's, it's a huge, just weight lifted that you didn't even know you had, right? You know, you know, the bricks, you know, a lot of the bricks in your backpack that you're hauling around. You don't know them all. I feel like I should watch up in the air now with George Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't he do on we better than just about anybody? I'd agree with that. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Men have many misconceptions. Mm -hmm. You talked about the difference between FLR and femdom. Mm -hmm. If you were to mansplain this to men, how <laughs> would you start? Um, so it's funny you said the mansplain thing because I actually have in the book somewhere it says I am aware of the irony that I could have just titled this book let me mansplain female-led relationships to you. 
sometimes it is good, especially for men who are dipping their toe in this, to hear a male voice tell them what it is and that it's okay, especially one who themselves is not in an FLR, right? Mm -hmm. There's this men, a lot of men and women too, but a lot of men are really worried about being judged for what they feel, you know, back to the vulnerability thing again. Um, so what I would tell them is you need to define what it is you want. If you want uh, to be dominated in the bedroom, great news for you. If you are in a happy relationship where your girlfriend, wife, partner is contented, most contented partners are willing to engage in your fantasy, right? They, they get a kick out of seeing your happiness, whether they're dominant or not, everybody's willing to take on that role for a little bit, you know? So I tell them, if that's what you really want, great. That's easy. Because if you're not, if she's not contented, work on that first, but it's mm -hmm. not an FLR. If you see your wife's strength, her intelligence, her uh, ability to make great decisions, and you want to support those, if that's what you're thinking, if you're thinking, my role here should be hearing what she wants and making it happen, right? That that's my strength. Then look for an FLR. That's a possibility. Mm -hmm. um, now you can't trick anybody into it. This all has to be communication. It all has to be agreed to. And there's a whole lot about how you communicate this because if you come and say to someone who knows nothing about it, I want to be in a female led relationship. They're going to go where my head went the first time I heard about a wife led marriage to, mm -hmm. okay, this is the part where I have to spank him every day and you know, he's going to want to mm -hmm. kiss my boots and I'm going to have to wear those boots that he bought me that one time that come up all the way to the <laughs> that are take me 30 minutes to get into, you know? So, but if you come at it with the, the idea of learning what you need to reading, reading the right books, uh, following the right people, understanding what it really means, then you can approach your partner with the idea of, you know, you have great decisions and I want to support them. And I would like to get into a relationship where that happens. And we don't have to get there overnight. We can mm -hmm. start with some simple things and see how we feel about it. And by all means, let's talk about it every Friday and have a chance to sit down and go over stuff. You'd be surprised how many women who would balk or, or thumb their noses at the term FLR would be like, yeah, great. Sure. Do that right now. <laughs> you know? So that's what I'd tell them. And I do, I get a lot of questions. That's my inbox basically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do you have a favorite story of meeting a gentleman that didn't get it, that when he did get it, finally, it changed his life for the better? Um, not meeting personally um, and not from anything they read from me, but when I was, you know, when I was gifted to the ability to talk to couples about this, there was one couple and forgive me, I'm not gonna remember their names, but they're in the book. Uh, and he was a Marine and he uh, didn't have a good grasp on how their relationship should work. And they were really at odds and she was uh, not in the military, hadn't been in the military, mm -hmm. but had her own ideas and wanted a bit more control. And she was the one who did the research. And he was just completely skeptical, just like, you know, him talking about it. He's like, this is the stupidest thing ever. You know, this is junk. 
this is, you know, why are we even bothering this? But, I'll, you know, but I'll do it for you because, you know, then we can say it failed and then I've got something I can lord over you. And when they started doing it within a week, because they used to have, they, they, they were the one that had a, a, a communication meeting at mm-hmm. the end of the building in which he would repeat to start it, repeat the kind of like phrase that they had, their, their, um, their mantra. Mm-hmm. Um, at that meeting, it was like, it just clicked. Like he, uh, the military aspect of it had been a big deal for him and that structure came back right? The authority, the structure, the understanding that doing your job and doing it well um, will never result in, uh, you know, miscommunication or passive aggressiveness or somebody going, it's fine, right? right? Mm-hmm. Having um, clear commands meant clear, decisive action. And he was missing the clear, decisive action. And being able to do that for the person he held most dear was life-altering like practically overnight. What's the best feedback you've ever gotten on one of your books and its effect on somebody? Um, I got a feedback from a woman who said that she'd had difficulties understanding relationships her whole life and understanding why they had failed and why she wasn't understood, why she couldn't um, articulate what she wanted. And she wrote me uh, a very long email because I put my email at the end of my books for people to reach out to me saying that like, this was it, it clicked. I understood, I understood how to express what I wanted, how to get what I wanted, how to find somebody who wanted that and how to structure it in a way that just made sense to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's she's not a 20 something person. And, um, and so this had been a long time for her to get to this. And um, I do keep up with her and, and things are going well. So that's great. I love to hear that. But it was really, really nice to hear that, like my little book with, with these ideas that uh, I'd taken from, from couples and powerful women and mansplained back to the world uh, <laughs> was making a difference. That, that was kind of early on in the book release. I was probably... 2018 or so. Um, Yeah, and that was really nice. Do you want to leave us a comment, thought, or have something to contribute to the show? You can now call or text us at the 3W hotline at 513-788-2527. That's 513-788-2527. Or drop us an email at john, J-O-N, at datingkinky.com. That's John, J-O-N, at datingkinky.com. We can't wait to hear from you. Hi, this is Jane Boone, the author of the novel Edge Play. It's a revenge fantasy where the big short meets 50 shades of gray. Only the women wield the whips and the billionaires submit. You can find it at Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle. And be sure to check out my episode with Tara Indiana right here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Thank you. Hi, my name is Lian Yao, and I'm an audiobook narrator who is also polyamorous. I just wanted to let you know about some audiobooks on polyamory I think you might enjoy. You can find Love in Abundance, 
The Jealousy Workbook, The Polyamory Breakup Book, and When Someone You Love Is Polyamorous on audible.com. Just search my name, Leanne Yao, spelt L-E-A-N-N-E-Y-A-U. Please also check out my episode on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. It's time to get back to learning about the most important connection of all, the one we have with our authentic selves, on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. Being a scientist and being educated, there's a lot of research that goes into many of your books. Mm -hmm. And then there's the erotica books that may (laughs) take a different part of your brain. Do you prefer one over the other? Or what do you like about what each does to you cerebrally? Easy for Cerebrally. It's hard. Cerebrally. Editing. (laughs) unique New York. (laughs) Cerebly sounds like uh, some sort of content management system or a place you can order cat food online. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This episode brought to you by (laughs) Cerebly.com. Put the now in meow. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So they're, they're, they're two different things. The, the research is brain growing and you love it, right? I, I never stop learning. I never want to stop learning. It's, it's kind of a key to when you see all these people that live to be, you know, 105. Some of these people smoke cigars and drink whiskey every day. And they'll say, that's, that's the secret. And some of them will say, I'm a vegetarian and have been since I was six. And that's the secret. But the thing that they all do probably is read and study and learn and, and have a, a curiosity with the world. And if I may borrow from Ted Lasso and say what an amazing show that is and everybody should be watching it because it's the most heartwarming funny thing you will see it um uh the the dart scene you know be curious not judgmental and and, mm-hmm. and that like that scene makes me cry I can watch it right now mm-hmm. I'll, I'll Ted Lasso and cry you know because it's true be curious not judgmental so the curiosity side of it is fun and empowering and energizing. And then a bit like you experience everything during the day and then you dream about it at night. And that goes, that's how it goes to long-term memory. The erotica is the dream about it at night fun part, right? Mm-hmm. That's just the brain dump. The uh, let's, let's, um, you know, we humans are, male, are uh, wired with this incredible erotica barometer that tells us, if we're on to something or not. <laughs> so uh, we, you know, being able to do that and, and go down that rabbit hole with it and, and apply things that I have learned um, in the real world, especially with, with um, chastity and all the kind of fun, interesting things that happen to us as a relationship, mm-hmm. as a result of it. That's, that's, you know, that's a, a fun way to process it and sort of take all of this data dump and turn data into information. Mm-hmm. So it's equal, you know, it's right brain, right brain and left brain going at it. And, you know, syncope, is that the right word? <laughs> I'll just take your word on it. Yes. You mentioned Ted Lasso mm-hmm. and I don't know of another show that brings me such joy. If you haven't had a chance to watch it, it's on Apple plus 
it won't take you that long to get through a whole season. It's worth the $4.99 or whatever it is for one month, and you might be able to watch it on a free trial. Yeah, binge it. Just, you know, for five bucks, it's probably the best value on TV right now. And for those who haven't seen it, Ted Lasso is the epitome of kindness. He is the epitome of curiosity. He is the wondering man who believes in good. And even when bad happens, he believes there's something good that comes from it. Mm-hmm. When I first met you, granted, this was all online and through Twitter conversations, you came across to me as a gentleman who exudes kindness, wants other people to succeed, wants people to be informed so they can live their best lives. What formed this in your personality? What were the foundations of it? Uh, I had caring parents who uh, both pursued their dreams as well. Um, I didn't necessarily have the best relationship with them, but they were there and that makes a huge difference. Um, I have older siblings who always looked out for me and who always wanted me to do the same. I was the weirdo at school. Uh, You know, I went to a big school Um, I should have probably played football and I would have been just fine. Although my knees wouldn't work now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but I was in a a school of a thousand. I was one of the three kids that everybody hated. Right. Mm. Um, and that taught me to appreciate what it feels like to be neglected, to, to be, uh, I don't want to use segregated, but, uh, picked outcast. on outcast exactly outcast for through no fault of your own because of who you are right and this is in the 80s um and in, in 90s and i had as you can be wouldn't be surprised you know, the there i had gay friends because mm-hmm. you know they were also in the same boat right so at a very young age this whole stigma about of about that um, was just not there, right? You know, this is the thing, you know, kids aren't born hating people. They're trained. And so, you know, that was something that went away. That was not, if it was barely ingrained in me, it went away. And, and mm-hmm. so that helped me to be curious, not judgmental. And then as a latchkey kid, I watched a lot of Mr. Rogers. And mm-hmm. I have to tell you, uh, If there is someone to emulate whom you will never be as good as, but the effort alone is worth it, well, it's Mr. Rogers, right? Mm -hmm. The man believed much like Ted Lasso, but in reality, that everybody is equal. Everybody deserves a fair shake. What you think is strange is just different, Mm -hmm. right? And, And what you don't know about it is what you are missing out on. Right. It is not the burden of the person who is the outcast to train you on how to be a better person. Right. It is not their responsibility. You know, it is not the responsibility 
of black Americans to make white Americans not racist. It's not, you know, it's not the responsibility of a gay person to, to make a homophobe not a homophobe, right? It's not the responsibility of trans people to explain to cis people that no, we're not doing this to get dresses and we can go into a bathroom and molest you. It's on us to be curious, not judgmental. And um, honestly, having that driven home by someone like Fred Rogers from a very early age, uh, you know, bless that man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly, the, 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 you know, he talked about divorce divorce on a show for six-year-olds mm-hmm. because you know why six-year-olds were going through divorces they needed to hear this and and having them having him say the first thing you need to know is it's not about you right i mean the, the thing that's funny about that is if you try to do that on pbs today <laughs> no way no way they would never let you do that but it's Mr. Rogers and he did it, you know, and he was like, your parents love you. They just can't be with each other. And this is what happens in the world. And it's, it's not the end of the world. You, you have two parents, that part of the triangle is still there and you are still their child. And it's okay. It is okay to be upset about it. It is okay to be mad or sad. Isn't it great to know that you can feel these feelings and process them and understand them. And people think, you're telling this to a six-year-old. They don't get it, but they do. <laughs> they do. They're begging at six when they're coursing with all these crazy emotions that they'd never had before. They had mad, they had sad, they had happy, they had hungry. And now they have nostalgia <laughs> and ennui and all these other things that are coming in there. Um, you know, the, the feeling of, of absence, all these things that they have no idea why their body's feeling this way. And, and, here's a man telling you these are normal welcome to normalness it's great isn't it wonderful that you can feel those because you know hey you can't really understand joy if you don't understand the lack of it when we talk about what women want and what we've talked about on the show you always hear the terms respectful Mm -hmm. you hear humor a lot you hear genuine Yet, if you look in society, those kind of guys don't get very far. If you look in if you look in media, I guess you could say those kind of guys don't get very far. Yeah. Of course, there's the old Leo DeRocher term, and I am really dating myself by saying that. <laughs> nice guys finish last. Is that changing? Um, insofar as women are have, have more agency to actually choose who they want to choose rather than what media and society has told them to choose. I mean, in the 1950s, uh, oh, you know, a woman would have had a difficult time turning down the, you know, the high school quarterback mm-hmm. who's got the job with his dad's firm for the, the wallflower who, who hasn't you know, decided what he's going to do yet with his life, you know, that that's a hard choice for anybody. But in the 1950s, when on top of all of that, her mom, her dad, her cousins, her best friends are telling her, Chaz is great. Chaz loves you. Do this. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think that there's always been a demand for the, the caring, loving, genuine, honest man. 
who if he also happens to have six pack abs and a great job, well, you know, hey, that's great too. They're, they're, these are not things that people don't want, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, media and television and particularly film, because this is where it starts really in earnest, um, have driven home this idea of, it's not even so much that this is how a man should look, right? Uh, archetypal uh, man, um, or this is the job he should have, or this is how he should speak, you know, books too. Great man in the gray flannel suit is a great example of the shut down male who's, who's outwardly perfect and inside is this roiling river of, of regret and pain and loss and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the idea that uh, you only get to see the ideal male in a film in segments. You never get, you know, a, a comedy is never going to show the moment in his life when he was feeling trapped and suicidal. <laughs> you know, that, that part doesn't fit in, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so there's now, I, nowadays, I think, first of all, it helps that people are doing these decisions later in life. Right. So, mm -hmm. so the curious wallflower who's, who's, genuine and kind has time to come into uh, come into flourish more so than the person who peaked senior year of high school when they threw 4,000 yards, right? Mm -hmm. um, and by the way, the person who peaked in high school when he threw 4,000 yards may crash and burn. And then when he's 25, become a curious, wolf, uh, curious, genuine person interested in respect and all these kinds of things. I do not want to say that any person has ever peaked, right? Or, or is, is beyond learning and growth. Um, but so now we're, we're talking about serious relationships happening later and later in life. Mm -hmm. um, there's a combo of, of these men flourishing and a combo of women also having their lives and experiencing and discovering, doing, you know, doing everything a person should going out there and trying and dating the football star, going out there and making the same mistake over and over and over again until you wake up and go, oh, <laughs> this is me making this choice. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. All these things that, that honestly men are just expected to do and that's just part of it, you know? Mm -hmm. but, hey bro, you, know, <laughs> you can't, you know, can't, you know, you can't beat them, join them, all that sort of stuff. Um, women are getting to do this too. And as a result, they're, being more honest in what they want with themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think this whole light, nice guys finish last thing is, is more uh, guys afraid to shit or get off the pot mm. finish last. A nice guy doesn't have to be, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Shy, I guess, mm -hmm. right? A nice guy doesn't have to be um, locked away from, from the world or you know, the kid that was incapable when he was a junior in high of asking the girl out is not necessarily that kid when they're 27, but mm -hmm. they may still be the nice guy. There are so many things we haven't even touched on, Key, and mm -hmm. uh, but I've enjoyed what we've talked about. Me too. If people are interested in your work, uh, this is the time where you get the floor all to yourself to talk about whatever part of your work you want to talk about and let people know exactly how to find you. Okay. Well, um, if you're interested in making a real female-led relationship work or interested in what good female-led relationships might do for your own relationship, um, 
I would recommend that you go to my Amazon page. Um, it's Key Barrett. It's, if you just type that in, you'll find me. I'm the only Key Barrett out there. Uh, also, if you've wanted to know what male chastity was and how to do it, uh, again, you can find me there. It's fun. I would just say that if you're not even into uh, female-led relationships, but you want to try that out, if you and your partner commit to it, you're going to find out that in two weeks, there are some really interesting and fun things to learn and uh, empowering, I would say, for both you and your partner. Um, and if you just like good old fashioned, dirty, female dominated erotica, I've got, uh, oh, and male dom as well. Um, I did write a book because I read Fifty Shades of Grey and it angered me so, mm. so much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that I went out and immediately wrote a book where the two main characters actually like each other. And so I think <laughs> there's, is, there's as much spanking and domination and all that kind of stuff as you would get in there, but there's caring at the heart of it because um, there's caring at the heart of everything that I try to do. Um, you can find it all on my Amazon page. Um, if you are a, uh, oh my gosh, I'm gonna blank on this, an Amazon uh, Unlimited subscriber, um, Kindle Unlimited, all of my works are free. So um, that's it. I really enjoyed being on with you. This is great. It's just as fun as it was uh, the last time we did this with uh, Nookie and, and Ryan. And um, hopefully we can do something with them again. They keep trying to get me to come in on Friday nights to, uh, have you been into any of the, I really want to, but <laughs> at the end of Friday, I'm just usually like, oh, wait, you want me to do something at 1030 after? <laughs> <laughs> so. And what Key's talking about is dating kinky. Uh, every now and then we'll have a meeting. Uh, they call it their munch and slosh in a format called Air Meet, which is the most amazing social platform there is. Because instead of being in a Zoom room with 70 people and wondering when the next person's going to stop talking so you can actually say something, it is a virtual convention space where you have tables of eight or nine and you can have conversations and hop from conversation to conversation. And it's really amazing. You can get all the details and it's always free for plus members of Dating Kinky. You can get all the details at datingkinky.com. Key, it has been an absolute pleasure getting to speak with you and I hope you have a uh, wonderful summer full of all sorts of new adventures and who knows, maybe a new book coming out at some point. Hopefully, if I could find the time to write. And same to you. And if you haven't found out already, the trailer for Ted Lasso season two is out there today. Thank you. In the world of men, Key is definitely a good one. His kindness and joy definitely show. And we loved having him on the show. Next week, we visit with educator, advocate, and all-around wonderful human, the fantastic Phoenix Mandel will join us. And that will do it for this edition. Coming very soon, we'll be doing a special episode to finish our first season. So if you have any questions you've wondered about for your hosts or about your host or anything involved with the show, send them to us on social media and we'll get to them on that special show. I'm John, also known as Hi There Katsu. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time. And I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you. To support the show, visit patreon.com slash whatwomenwantpodcast. Leave us a message at 
788-2527. And we invite you to follow us on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. We're kinky done differently.